Well, good friends, let me add my welcome tonight to you. If I don't know you, my name is Bill, and I'm one of the pastors here. What if, as we behold this miraculous birth of Jesus, he would give us something that could change who we are, that could change everything about our life, everything about our world? Let's pray that he'd do that. Would you join me in praying? God, our Father, We pause at the end of this exceptionally challenging year to remember what a good God you are. It can be hard to see that sometimes, Lord, even oftentimes, but we remember that it's true. So we pray you'd be with us as we meditate on these words from your scriptures tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. May I I ask, what are you waiting for? Now, not in the sense what are you waiting for? Go ahead and do it. In the sense, what are you waiting for? What are you longing for? What are you living your life hoping and praying that just maybe this would be the thing that would make it what it could be or should be? You know, just in film or theater, you could be waiting for Superman, waiting for the barbarians, waiting for Guffman, or waiting for Godot. In real life, are you waiting for a spouse or a home or a new job or financial security? Or maybe it's to get out of the house and start your own life or maybe to graduate, maybe to go back to school, maybe to be healed. Or is it something else? What is the thing that you're waiting for? Maybe we'd go further and say barely hanging on for. Well, over the course of the four weeks of Advent, we've been looking at stories of waiting. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Manoah and his wife, then last week, Zechariah and Elizabeth, all of them waiting for miraculous births of a child. But these births, they were miraculous, though the child was still conceived of in the ordinary way. It was about the age or the infertility of the couple's. Tonight, we see that even those births, they point to something greater, a time when God would intervene in history and do even more than that. And and here's the point tonight. It's this, just like those miraculous births of the Bible point to something even greater, something people could barely imagine to be true, so also... All of our waits, all these things we're waiting for, they point to something bigger, something amazing, something so miraculous we could barely imagine it to be true. But if we realize it is true, it will change everything. And so let's consider just very briefly tonight three waits. Mary's wait, the Jews' wait, and then our world's wait. First, Mary. Mary was waiting to be married. Now, in her world, her culture, her time, a woman would be betrothed to a man. They would become engaged. That was a legally binding thing. They were a couple, but the marriage would not yet be consummated. They would still be separate for a period of time. And that time, that waiting, would involve all sorts of uncertainties. And what would it be like? What would he be like? Would God take care of them and bless them? Would they have children someday? 
Now understand, her waiting was probably not the romantic butterflies of modern engagement. In their world, barely eking a living out of the soil, what you would call subsistence farming, marriage was a far less romantic thing than it is for us today. But nonetheless, Mary was waiting and wondering, waiting to be married. But then as we've read, suddenly God stepped in and changed all of that. Though still a virgin, still unmarried, suddenly Mary becomes pregnant. Now, understand, that's not how it worked biologically. And that's why this miraculous birth is greater than all of those that came before. Because this time God stepped in and Mary, still a virgin, found that she was expecting Jesus, the Son of God incarnate. Now, as an aside, this is not either then or now how you'd make up a religion. People knew how you got pregnant outside of wedlock, just like they do now back then. Nobody would believe her in this. Then or now, that's probably why an angel had to come to Joseph to tell him, Mary's telling you the truth here. But Mary was waiting to be married, and suddenly she was waiting for so much more. Second, though, Mary is no more just Mary than any one of us is an island. Mary was part of her people, part of her culture, expecting and hoping and dreaming and fearing all the same things it did. Mary was a Jew, part of the Old Testament people of God. And the Jews had been waiting, 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 waiting for deliverance. You see, there had been long ago almost a golden age, a Camelot of sorts, a time when the world seemed right, the nation was prosperous, it was peaceful, they were doing well. This was the time, it now seemed almost legendary, of the kings David and Solomon, when everything was as it should be. But the 10 centuries since then had been really hard on Mary's people. They had seen secession in their own nation, splitting into two rival peoples, By the 8th century BC, the northern kingdom of Israel had been wiped off the map by the Assyrian Empire. By the 6th century BC, the Babylonian Empire had done the same thing to the southern kingdom of Judah. And ever since then, they had lived under the oppression of one empire or another, sometimes heavier, sometimes lighter, but always waiting, always wondering, always wishing, always hoping for the time when God would come and set things right, when he would make things as they ought to be. Our second reading was from Isaiah the prophet. Let me read you a bit further in Isaiah's book from chapter 60. He called this out. He said, Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people's But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And over the centuries, there had been prophets like this. And as these prophets had spoken, they had helped the people to see that there would be a Messiah who would come. One who would set all things right. One who would make things new, who would restore their nation But even those prophets had been silent for centuries. 
Now, certainly events continued to happen. People continued to show up who called themselves prophets or even who called themselves Messiah, but nothing had ever borne out. It seemed that the silence that we saw that Zechariah experienced last Sunday, what Terence and Matt preached at our two sites, was emblematic of the silence that Israel itself had endured as if God was no longer speaking. They had been waiting and waiting for God to come and deliver them. And it seemed like he would never come. But then third, even that story of Israel's waiting isn't big enough to see what God was doing. Because the story of Israel's waiting was tied up in the story of humanity itself, of our waiting. You see, this world, this world we live in was created good. The first two chapters of our Bible, the book of Genesis, say that God created it good, 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 very good. But then chapter 3 That world has fallen into a devastating, destructive, marring sin. And this is why our world can be so delightful and wonderful and so terrible at the same time. If you want to make sense of the world we live in, you have to have an understanding. And the Bible gives us one that explains how good it is and how hard it is. And right in the middle of that story in Genesis 3 as everything has become unglued and come apart, you could call it the still small voice amidst the hurricane, amidst the earthquake, against the firestorm that sin had unleashed on this world. God gave this promise we read in our first reading, that he would put enmity between the woman and the serpent, between her offspring and his, that he would crush the head of the serpent who would strike his heel. And over millennia, Humanity had waited. Adam and Eve probably thought it was their son Cain who would do this, but he turned out to be a murderer. Then they probably thought it was their later son Seth, but his line descended to a worldwide flood. And then it wasn't Noah. And then even Abraham, who seemed to be called to be the antidote to this whole mess, turned out to be its sad recapitulation. The world itself had been waiting not just for 10 centuries, but for millennia. For God to come to make things right. Now, let me return to the first question. What are you waiting for? What am I waiting for? What's the thing that we think, this is what would make my life be the way it ought? Let me suggest that if we wait for the wrong thing, it inevitably disappoints us. Some of us have just been waiting for the end of the pandemic And then another variant comes and says, take another lap. If you're waiting for financial security to be the thing that will finally fix it all for you, it's worth knowing this. Survey after survey after survey survey of men and women who've won the lottery says that they're initially euphoric, but within a year they've returned to their exact same state of mind that they were before they were rich. In fact, if you think that a spouse or a lover is going to be the one who fixes all this, you need to know that if we put that much weight on another person, we will inevitably shatter them and the relationship will shatter us. Because if you know the play, Godot never came, no longer how long they waited. But 2,000 years ago, Mary's wait ended 
She had a baby boy and she named him Jesus. And the Jews' wait ended because Mary had a baby boy, Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, the one who would redeem Israel. And our wait ended because she had a boy, Jesus the Messiah, the Son of Man and the Son of God, the one who would make all things right and all things new. And here's what that tells you and me tonight. It means with Christmas, our wait ends. Now, not your wait for a home or for a spouse or for healing or for a new job or for graduation or whatever it is. Those waits might end, they might not. But what ends is our wait for a savior. Our wait for a God who would be with us, who will be there for us, who will walk beside us in all these things because Mary had her baby boy. That wait is over and with Jesus Hope is here. Let's pray. God, Father, we pray you would give us hope. Because we know that we are a people who have hope, but we often forget it and we don't see it. So remind us of what we celebrate this Christmas. That Jesus is here, that he came, that he lived for us, died for us, and rose from the dead. Help us to live in light of that truth with lives that are changed because you did not leave us alone in our sins, but came to be with us and save us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray it. Amen.